Welcome to my podcast, Normally Unstable, where I discuss a variety of topics involving mental health. This is a space where vulnerability is invited and stories are shared. Today, we have a special, special guest, my boy Dino. Dino, man, what up, boy? What's going on? What's going on? Hey, I appreciate you joining us today. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate this. Of course, of course. So, Dino and I, we, we currently work together, and we had, to get, we had the opportunity to really get to know each other earlier at a work conference in Detroit. And one of the first things that we really chatted about was, um, you know, one of Charlemagne's first books. And then, like, through that conversation, I realized that we actually had a lot in common. And we started having more and more conversations, and I was able to hear a little bit more about his upbringing, trials and tribulations, and just his overall perspective on life. And... I just felt like he had a, a very, very remarkable story. So I'm just really, really happy that, you know, he decided to, to come on this the show and to really just talk about his his life experiences. So, um, Dino, you're you were born in Nigeria, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I was born in Nigeria. Um, I moved actually to Toronto uh, when I was about one. Um, my father, my, my, mom, my dad and my mom. Um, decided that they wanted to do something new. Um, so we moved to Toronto first. Uh, and we were there from 1991 till about 98. And then from Toronto, uh, I moved to Chicago when I was like eight years old in the second grade. Gotcha. So like, what's, what's like the biggest difference from like Canada? <laughs> well, I'm just saying all three of the locations, yeah, you know, Nigeria yeah, and Canada, because yeah. I'm pretty sure you still have family in Nigeria as well. Absolutely. I think the, the biggest thing is, is opportunity. And I think that was like the common denominator of us moving from each place, right? Like when um, my, my dad and my mom were in Nigeria, you know, they both had their undergraduate degrees, both within computer science. And my both of my parents wanted something better and, and more um, than at the time what Nigeria could, I don't want to say offer, but just wanted something more for me and, and just something different. Um, my mom grew up uh, actually in London. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah, she grew up in London. So she has a little bit of of like the the British experience, which kind of correlates a little bit more towards like um, the North America side and, and things of that nature. So um, I, I believe the story was like they literally went to Canada, somewhere random on a map in Canada, um, and we were only supposed to go for like two weeks. And we actually ended up, they, uh, my dad said that they, they fell in love and, and we ended up moving there and kind of making that our home. At, at the time that we were there during those two weeks, uh, my dad found out about a program that allowed us to um, to get like our green card and things of that nature to become like citizens and very quickly. Um, there's a program that was going on for immigrants coming in that Canada offered. And it just kind of, it's the balls all, the the stars aligned, they kind of worked out. And, um, you know, from there, the, the rest is kind of history as to the North America side. Got you. And then like, it's like Chicago. What was, yeah. what was that like growing? Well, like, which part of Chicago did actually do? Yeah, for sure. So when we first moved to Chicago, we moved to the South side and we stayed in the South side for about six or seven months. So I missed a lot of school, um, like the first grade and, uh, my mom did a lot of teaching and, and things of that nature. But, um, when we first moved to Chicago, we were there for a few months before we actually moved to the north side, which we settled in, um, actually maybe only maybe not even like six or seven months. I think it was actually like four, 
Um, it was right in between like the summer period. And um, when we got there, we got to the north side of Chicago, man. It was so different. I, uh, I lived in this place called Skokie. Um, which is on the north side. It's a north suburbs of Chicago, one of the first suburbs outside of the Chicago city. And man, it was the second highest population of the Jewish community in America, mm. following the first being in New York, man. So here I am, a black kid, really African, that's how I was growing up. Um, and like, I'm like the only person that looks like me. And then now I have like this canadian accent as well too so not only am i different from my peers from like a talking standpoint like i also look very different as well too um which was a huge transition for me like different words that i was using constantly getting made fun of uh, when i was younger and, and things of that nature as well which is crazy yeah so like was it hard making friends? Was it, like, pretty easy? Like, did you have, like, a pretty good support system yeah. out there? Yeah, you know, um, that first year, I really struggled. Uh, not going to lie. Um, that first year, I really struggled. Um, I think what helped me a lot was um, I got introduced to baseball, actually. Um, my first year being in America, uh, second grade. Um, because when we first moved to Chicago that summer, uh the family who we were staying with, very close family friends of ours now, they took us to a baseball game. I remember a Sox game. Um, and I had such a, it was such a fun experience for me at such a young age. And um, when it came time to play, like I got the opportunity, like second grade to, to join baseball. And dude, I sucked, but <laughs> I, was, I was terrible. Honestly, my first year, I'll never forget my first year. I didn't hit the ball a single time. I foul tipped it once. That was the only time I had ever in my life made contact with the ball my first year playing. Because they knew, like, I wasn't that great, but I was fast. Like, I can outrun anybody on the team. Dan are one of the fastest people in the league as well, too. So I got a lot of um, notoriety from that. And that's how I was able to build um, a core group of friends from the beginning. And it was really, like, around sports. And some of those kids that I was close with were kids who were in my class. And that's when I was able to make that connection with. So that first year that I was in that second grade, I didn't really start making friends till like the second half when baseball season actually started. Oh, man. Yeah. So that first year, man, I was in class. Like, you know, girls were making me cry left and right because I was getting picked on and made fun of so quickly. And <laughs> what like, were they saying, bro? Man, like they were making fun of like the way I talked. And then even just being around my cousins who a lot of them live in the South Side. So... It was weird. I started code switching at a very young age. Mm. Yeah, to try and fit in. So I was trying to fit in with my family that was all black from the South Side and stuff. So I was trying to talk with like a certain little Chicago twang or whatever. And when I'm in Skokie, I had to talk a different way, you know, um, to what's considered more proper or whatever you want to may call it um, to kind of fit in with, with that crowd. But later on, it actually backfired on me, which was crazy as well, too. Oh, man. So, like, me growing up, when I was around that age, you know, you know, eight years old, nine years old, expression was huge. Yeah. Like, expression is, like, really, really big. So, my parents actually got divorced around that time. And oh, wow. I really, yeah, I really, like, showed up. And I didn't, you know, really communicate that much. So You were kind of close, like, loner, sort of, like, close to yourself? <laughs> actually, I started getting in trouble. <laughs> okay, okay. I started actually okay, being yeah. a class clown, but I wasn't expressing myself. Like, I wasn't telling anyone what was wrong. Yeah. And I felt like that was, like, some really important years of my life because my dad took 
took wind of that probably when I was like eight, nine years old. For and sure. he always forced me to express myself. He'll always ask me like, oh, how does this situation make you feel? You yeah. know, especially pertaining to like the, the divorce. And I'll be like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And he'd be like, I don't know. It's not acceptable. I don't know. It's not acceptable. Yeah. So, you know, communication was huge for me. And, and, and I felt like it really helped me up into, you know, the age I'm at now where I was like communicating at a very, you know, very, very young yeah, age. Yeah. And I was very like, conscious of like a lot of things so you know one of my questions to you is is like you getting made fun of because of your communication style Mm -hmm. like I know we've talked a little bit about you know mental health yeah did that you know uh affect your mental health in any ways that you realize as you're older looking back yeah a thousand percent um you know even to this day right like everyone knows what code switching is and, and things of that nature um I think for me, being able to, to code switch in very quickly, right? Like going from talking to like my cousins on the weekend versus coming into school in, in a predominantly white neighborhood and things of that nature. Um, I had to be able to code switch very quickly and, and quickly change how I was talking and communicating. Um, and it, for me, it was subconsciously because all I wanted to do was just fit in. And for a long time, like, when you code switch so much, you're code switching in one life to code switch to another life. You lose track of who you really are as a person. And mm. I think that was something for me that it took me a very, very, very long time of understanding like who I really was as a person. What did I really like doing? How was I really as not code switching who I was? Like, who was I when, when Dino was by himself? And he has a friend who is not judging him. Who is that person? Because how I was with my friends was very different how I was with my cousins. Yep. And that was something that I had to really analyze. And I think one of the big, the biggest struggles that I, I always faced was bridging that gap and getting those two worlds together. And unfortunately, as a child, I was never able to do that. Like I kept my friends very separate. Then I kept my family. So whenever I would have birthdays come around... Um, a lot of times, you know, I'm with my friends, you know, in school, like 90% of the time. So I would shield away having birthdays where my cousins and family were involved because I didn't, I was too young to understand how to code switch at the same time and how to do it simultaneously. Ah, got you. So like who like taught you about like code switching or did you like just kind of know about yourself? Because like for me, my mom told me when I was like 13, she didn't call it code switching, but yeah. what she said is like, Derek, you need to be able to operate in any circle that you're in. Yeah. Whether you're in the hood, whether you're in, you know, in a business setting, whether you're in school, yeah. you need to be able to wear different hats and be able to like know your audience. For sure. So it was like, was that like a message that was like kind of taught to you around the age eight, nine, 10, 11 yeah. as you grew up? Or was it something like you realize like these people are different than the people that I'm from. So yeah. I just got to kind of like figure it out. You know, for me, it was um, it was different, right? Like, my mom was a professor, so my mom got a chance to see a lot of different walks of life. So she, she knew being in America, which we're not from here, she knew, you know, um, what it was like dealing with black students, what it was like dealing with white students, what it was like dealing with people from the hood or people not black people are not from the hood, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there's so many different dynamics of that spectrum. And my mom always pushed me to be the most, the best... Um, she would say African that I could be like, she never wanted me to be at the time when we were, this is early nineties, like be like 
the black guy that people thought were like super hood or just didn't know any better and she didn't want that um so she tried to make me be like the best black person that I could be and she she referred to the word as African because that's where my roots are and that's where my upbringing was for myself though it was like man I want to be cool I want to fit in and unfortunately like growing up we didn't have I didn't grow up with Africans like the outside of my family like I didn't have any Africans at my school oh gotcha all I had was black and for me to relate and enjoy myself, like, I wanted to be around black people. So I had to be able to adjust and code switch to some of those black people that I was cool with and really still build that relationship. But also at the same time, too, like, I did have my core friends of kids who were white that I played sports with on a regular, you know, through every season for basketball season and baseball season and stuff that I enjoyed hanging out with as well from a sports perspective, for sure. And I, I didn't want to lose that. So yeah. I always had to just continuously make that balance and code switch continuously. Got you. And, you know, it's it's funny, like, the way you talk about your mom and, like, the, you know, experiences that she has dealing with different people. Mm-hmm. And I think that really creates a sense of, of empathy. Yeah. And, you know, she's able, she's interacted with so many different people being in that, you know, scholar setting. Right. You know, my mom's been in, like, the nursing setting. My mom works at a mental hospital. Sure. Um where, you know, she's dealing with all different types of yeah. people, all different types of ages, all different types of issues. So it's like, I feel like they really, like, put their teeth yeah. onto us. Onto yeah, us. absolutely. I and agree. So I know, like, we talked, to, you know, a, a little bit about, you know, mental health, a little bit about, you know, depression and, and everything like that. So where... When when was the first time that you noticed something about like your mental health? Cause you've went you've been through a lot of transitions in life. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, yeah. you've been in Nigeria, you've been in Toronto, you've yeah. been in Chicago. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going through puberty. You're yeah. you know you're learning so many things, <laughs> and you're me- making new friends. You have an accent. Yeah. So it's like mentally, when was the first time you're like, wait a minute, like I'm I'm a little sad or. You know, I'm mm-hmm. dealing with something that I don't think is normal. Or when do you start taking note about like your mental health, or just even noticing any any little difference? Yeah, I think the first time I probably noticed a difference though was um, when I was younger, and it was like I realized I didn't fit in, and there's certain ways to go about that when you don't fit in. You can either accept that you don't fit in, and you just don't fit in. We try to make some something work for you to fit in. And sometimes that requires you not being authentic to yourself, right? And for years, I think that's what I what I what I did. Um, up until maybe like junior high. I, I actually I would say high school, honestly. And I remember a specific conversation that I had with one of my two best friends and you know, um I think that was the first time I admitted to like, yeah, this is really how I feel like straight up, you know, um, and I've always been the person before that was like trying to please everyone else and trying to really just fit in and and feel some sort of acceptance, right? Like people think sometimes like feeling acceptance, like, oh, that's kind of lame and stuff. But dude, when you're like eight or nine or 10 or 12 or 13, 14 years old, like that's, all that you have to live for. Like, you're not worried about equity. You're not worried about like, <laughs> stocks and bonds. You're not worried about paying rent. Like, it's a social status. You want to fit in into a crowd. And, and that's how I was. So I did whatever it took to fit in. And for me, success was fitting in and feeling the accomplishment of fitting in. I was trying to fit in so much with this white crowd 
they started calling me like Oreo or uh, like whitewash, bruh. right? So, and, and for me, it was like, okay, like now I have to figure out, this is in middle school, how do I figure out how to transition into being cool in middle school and not being called whitewash, right? So then I started bringing in that Chicago twang that I was using with my cousins to make me sound more black. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I wasn't coming to school. My parents didn't even let me come to school rocking jerseys all the time. If I rocked a jersey, like, I had to hide it in my backpack. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, and that's why, like, my favorite artist is Kanye West. I was wearing polos every day. He was the first person that allowed me to wear polos and make it cool and make it flashy and stuff like that. Yeah. But I was always trying to figure out how to fit in, how to be cool. And then when we finally met my friend Richie, who Terrell knew beforehand, Richie ended up moving to our high school. We all became really close. And I'll never forget, and they probably don't even remember this conversation. It was one day we were sitting in our, our local mall conversation. And Richie was, you know, a little bit more fair-skinned. Girls loved him. He was funny as hell. You know, girls are very attractive. Terrell was still an all-star athlete across the board, three-star athlete. Richie was an athlete as well, too. My freshman year, I was an athlete, but I wasn't, you know, girls weren't really looking at me that way. You know, I was a little bit bigger. I weighed a lot more. So girls really weren't looking at me, me at that way at the time. Um, who were different races. And I remember we were sitting at the table and I was like, man, like, they were asking, like, yo, why don't you talk to girls how we're talking to girls? And I was like, dude, honestly, man, like, I'm a big, dark-skinned dude who, like, is different from both of you guys. Like, you guys have all these status symbols. I don't have any of that. Like, I'm super dark-skinned. These girls are, like, Jewish community. They don't want that. They want the light-skinned black guy. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. they, Or they want the all-star athlete. And I think that was the first time where I was like, damn, like, I really felt different in a mentality sort of thing. Like, I feel different. I feel sad. And that was the first time I ever talked about it. And they were instantly, they just like, man, you're tripping, dog. Like, man, they're not even. Bro. And it, for me, it was crazy because when they said it to me back then at that time, and they're like, man, you're tripping, dog. You're cool as hell. Like, you got good things going and stuff. I kind of just took their word for it. And then we just became best friends. And after that, I kind of just, you know, like, I really didn't think too much of it after that. But it was always in the back of my mind. Always, you know? Yeah. And I had a, it's funny because, like, you never really forget that first conversation that you you kind of come to, like, acceptance with, yeah, like, how yeah, you're feeling. Yeah. And yeah. You, you get vulnerable. And I, I never forget the first time for me, you know, I think I was probably, like, 10 years old. My dad was taking me to my grandma's house. We were just, like, in the car. And I told him, I was like... Um, hey, I think I need to like see somebody. Like, yeah. I just told him, bro, I'm ten. I, like, thinking crazy. back, yeah, yeah, yeah. thinking back, it was like, that's how crazy do I that you even thought? Yeah, that. I even thought. I don't even know how I even knew about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I told him, I was like, hey, I need to. I think I need to talk to someone. And he was just like, oh no, nah, you're good. Like, yeah. if you need to talk to me, and if you need to talk to anybody, me. you can talk to, to me. me. Like, you yeah, always got yeah, me. Yeah. And like, like just similar to you, it's just like I just took that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't know like. Wouldn't talk to somebody for another what eight years, yeah. eight nine years. Did you talk, talk to someone. your dad though? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we That's had like some vulnerable conversations, but That's good. um, but not as much as I you know has this disclosed to you know when I've gone to therapy and yeah. stuff like that. But you know, for me, from that moment when I was like ten and eleven, dealing mm-hmm. with you know my depression, things did kind of a little bit get better. Yeah. But it was like a wave, and mm-hmm. like as I got older. The more stuff started coming and if I didn't take care of myself I'll kind of spiral a little bit so for like sure. for you you know you had your two close friends and you shared that with them um you know 
were there other moments that happened in your life going forward to where you kind of revisit that thought and be like, okay, this is really how I'm feeling right now? Um, not, not in that dynamic. Um, you know, after, I think when you get to high school, a lot of things started becoming like checkpoints, right? Of like doing what you're supposed to do to, to make it to the next step that really impressed people. So when I got to high school, like the next step was figuring out like what's next. Um, coming from an educational family, like you go elementary school, middle school, high school, and the next step is automatically just college. And I wasn't like, I wasn't, and I'm not even saying now because I wasn't the smartest person. I just didn't apply myself that much in in the educational back. Like I wasn't reading at night. Like I wasn't trying to study. I was trying to come into class from nest. Uh, cheat off somebody else to get passing grades. <laughs> I, I did not like for me. All I wanted to do was play and talk to girls. But like you know what I'm saying. Like even though I was pretty tall and scared, like I just wanted the fun aspect. I didn't put any of that work in. Um, and I think for me, like the the part that I I was I, I was still fat. I became I lost weight when I got to high school, um, and when I lost weight. I had the speed and I was very fast. I uh, got you. So I started running track and track gave me this leverage of acceptance of being the best. Like I was really good at track. You know, we, we went down state. We were the first relay team to ever get ranked in our high school. That was a huge account, like doing huge, huge things. Here I am in this community. I remember getting pulled over one time in high school and the cop literally let me go because my name was in the paper. And it was like, damn, like this Bro. stuff is real. Like, that's crazy to me. So a lot of things I was really sheltered from because I was this athlete, you know, um, and everything. There was, that's why I loved high school, because everything for me was so easy when I became like an all-star athlete. Like it was I just had to do the bare minimum, you know, the barest minimum to just move forward. And for me, it was like, as long as I get a scholarship, I'm cool. Like that means I get to go to college. I have my parents off my back. I've done what they've asked for. I made it to college. Like I'm cool. You know what I'm saying? Bro, it's funny because I feel like we lived the exact same life. <laughs> I was yeah. in like college prep classes. Like you kind of like what your mom said, like didn't want that that image of you being that, yeah. that ghetto, quote yeah. unquote, ghetto black dude. Yeah. Like I remember when I went to like junior high, they tried to put me in like the lower level classes. Man, I was my mom saw that. Yeah. <laughs> my mom made me go to the office and change it. Damn. All, I've been in, you know, I was in advanced courses the whole way, but... Once I became good at football and stuff like that, everything was kind of like handed yeah. to me, like similar to you. I was in a newspaper sure. quite frequently. So Same. I remember one time me and um, and my best friend, Mike, we were just uh, we were driving one day. I was just like picked him up. I was like one of the only ones with a car. So yeah. I'm whipping and I had my like my hat backwards and we driving. We get pulled over and oh, I'm like, shit. dang, I didn't even do nothing. Yeah. Like I just I, we barely pulled out. Yeah. Try to say we fit a description. But then again, they got my ID and they're like. Oh wait, you're Derek Malone? Yeah. Like, ah, oh, wait a minute, we yeah, know who you are. Yeah, and then we gotta let go. So same, it's yeah, same, so same. I, I feel like I, I lived a very, very similar yeah. life. So like like I said, you've seen a lot. Yeah. You've been through a lot, yeah. especially living in Chicago. Yeah. Like, when was like one of your like rock bottom moments to where you're like, man, all right, this is I'm not I'm not good, man. I'm not feeling that well. Like, like, when was that, that, that moment for you or a moment that you couldn't kind of remember? Man, honestly, like, I think I, for a long time, um, like a real one, you know, we all go through our regular, like, college is tough, you have certain classes, things of that nature. 
Um, I think a real one of the realest moments for me, man, was um, like things weren't right. Was for me, which was crazy, on my graduation day um, when I graduated college. You know, um, I remember uh, it's two parts to your grad. Everyone, there's two days of graduation. You got the business school, and then you got like everyone else, kind of no matter what, that's poli sci, law, whatever. And um, I remember my graduation being first. But I had been to so many graduations because I was Greek being a Kappa, where like I saw how graduation was. You graduate, everyone fumbles around, they try to find their family, you find your family, you find your friends, you take your pictures with your friends and things of that nature. And um, I remember when, um, for me, uh, take a story back, um, in high school, um, I found out my mom had cancer. Mm-hmm. But my mom was just such a trooper, whereas like, I promise, and people told me that I was crazy for this, but, man, I swear my mom treated cancer like it was just a cult. Like, she would drive to therapy, physical therapy, or um, she would go to therapy by herself, and then right after therapy, she'd drive to work, and then she'd work all day, come home, had a whole house ready. Like, you, all my friends had no idea she had cancer for years. Um, the only time that they ever knew she had cancer is if I personally told them. A lot of my friends didn't even know she had cancer until she passed away. Mm-hmm. And when I told them that she had cancer for the last seven years, they were thrown off. And for me, it was so weird because the way my mom handled cancer, like, I never really, like, unfortunately at that age, like, I didn't really take it as serious as I should have because my mom handled it so much as a trooper and never complained about it or never said she wasn't feeling well. Like, she did her thing every single day, day in and night out, went to work. Like, she was the first one up in the house, got everybody ready to go. Dropped us off at school sometimes between her and my dad, you know, picking us up later on between her and my dad, going to therapy when she wasn't at there when she was at therapy, made my dad pick me up, but she'll come home normal, like legit normal. Like you never knew anything. Like all my friends will come to my house or whatever. Um, or she'll take us all home. None of them ever knew she had cancer for like a very, very long time. And I think the first time it really hit me was when I graduated. And as I was saying, like, during graduation, you, you running around, you trying to find your family because you're just walking away from the podium. And now you got the crowd from the people who are attending graduation. You're trying to find your family and your group of friends. And I remember my dad, I was telling my dad, like, look, this is where I'm at. He's like, yeah, you need to come over here, though. I was like, nah, you guys need to come over here where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? This is where it's cracking at. It's like, this is where everybody's taking the pictures at. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all gotta come over here. And then I remember, like, he kind of, like, cut me off. And then he kind of came and found me to where I was at. And he was, like, yelling at me, like, you need to come here to where we're at. Your mom can't make it over here. I'm like, man, what? You talk much, can't make it. And then the first time I saw my mom, I was like, damn, like, my mom looks way different. Like, she lost a lot of weight. You know what I'm saying? And that, to me, was, like, even all my graduation pictures, like, you just see it on my face. Like, I'm not happy at all. Mind you, leading up to it, man, we were kicking it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, I was happy as hell. Like, man, I'm graduating. Man, I got two job offers, good paying jobs. I just get to decide. Like, I feel like a draft pick. Like, I get to decide what job I'm about to go with. You know what I'm saying? One is in Atlanta, leaving Chicago. Like, one's all the way in Atlanta. They're going to help me move. The other one was in St. Louis. Or I had three, actually. Two in St. Louis, one in Atlanta. So like you think I'm on top of the world like a lot of a lot of people I knew were graduating 
and they graduated and they're going back to their regular jobs of where they were working before they graduated, whether that's Best Buy or the, the cell phone store or maybe a restaurant. And here I am on top of the world, like, I'm coming out of graduation and making 45K. Hey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> getting like, that bread. Getting that bread, yeah. dude. Like, but when you see it on my face in graduation, man, like all my pictures, and it's it's a picture I used to have on my phone every day of me and my mom and dad. I'm just sitting there with a big ass frown, like so unfucking happy. And I didn't even know why I was unhappy for a long time. But for me, it was just like such a shock, like to see my mom that sick. And my mom was happy as hell I graduated. You know what I'm saying? And I would play it like, yeah, I'm cool. Like, I'm happy I grad. I was kind of, I was so sad that I started playing the cool role. Like, yeah, this is uh, nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. all good. It'd be like that. It's, it's like good. that. That's I'm good. Cool. I'm graduated, yeah. whatever. It's not, but deep down, like, I was so sad to see the way, like, my mom looked and it was so different. Where I was like, wow. Like, I think things are starting to kind of get serious now. You know what I'm saying? That's true. And I, and because for so long that I was dealing with it, like, she was dealing with it as, for me, it was always like just a regular cold. You know what I'm saying? Because of how strong she was, but when it hit me that hard, I was like, damn, like, this is, potentially could get real. You know what I'm saying? I think that was, like, the first time. And then, you know, when she passed, like, mm-hmm. it seemed like she was, like, the pillar of your family. Yeah. You know, like, a rock and yeah. very, very influential, you know, to your, your, your growth and your development. Yeah. Like, what effect did that leave on you and your family, you know, when... um she passed away yeah you know it was it was crazy because um you know my mom was one of those people that like she um she never uh she never complained she also didn't hate anyone like she had no bad blood towards anyone so she was always positive around every single person and she shielded me from a lot of that stuff, right? Like, always wanted me to see the good in everybody all the time. Like, no matter who it was. Because she never talked down around it. I couldn't even tell you one person my mom hated. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel it. I couldn't even, And she used to tell me, like, hate is such a strong word. You don't want to hate anyone. You know what I'm saying? And for me, like, when she passed, um, we got a lot of blaming for our family in regards to my mom passing. People said that I didn't care about my mom. People said that um, that we didn't do enough to cure her cancer. Um, people said that I, I was never taking it serious. And when my mom passed, my family really split in half. Um, a lot of her side and my, my father's side kind of split. And on her side, there were a lot of people that I was very close with. And for me, like, my mom had just passed. Um, that's your mom. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's your mom. The person mm-hmm. at birth, she just passed. And I was struggling so much to deal with my mom passing. But I'm also struggling because all these people that I, I, I really have grown to love and care for are now turning on me. And I'm shocked. Like, I thought during this time, like, y'all were going to be there for me. Yeah. But here, here are a lot of blaming me for a lot of things that are happening. And um, for me, like, I really struggle with that. And and unfortunately, like, when my mom passed, man, I, I never really got a chance to mourn. Um, I never got a chance to mourn at my mom. And still to this day, I haven't. And that's probably the scariest thing that I'm I'm afraid of over my whole life is the day I got to mourn for my mom and, like, what that's going to feel like, you know, and um, how am I going to react? What am I going to do? Like, where will I be? Like, what would I be thinking about, like, 
what's that going to even look like, you know, because that's a, a deep thought. And I tell people all the time, like, man, you know, when you're going through a loss, man, take that time away. Don't be selfish to yourself, to who that person is, like, you know, and, and do whatever it is that you got to do. Because I, ne- I didn't get a chance to do that. I was being bombarded and being blamed with so many phone calls between Nigeria and, you know, different parts of the country where family was blaming myself and my dad. I was defending ourselves so much that I never got a chance to mourn. Mm. So I went back to work immediately because I knew when I went back to work, that's the only place where people couldn't, people couldn't bother me. Because I had a decent job and a lot of people of my age didn't have good jobs. Yeah. When I told them, I have to go back to work. And then people knew I had a good job. Like, that was the only time that they would let me be. Okay. So that's why I went back to work very quickly because I didn't want to have to deal with these calls and, like, all these sorts of things. So for me, it, it sucked because... I never took that time away to just not only block those people out, but just mourn and, and spend that time like really healing myself from what just occurred and what just happened. Sometimes I would lie to people and say like, yeah, I'm still working. Like, uh, I can't talk to you right now. And, you know, with the difference of time in Nigeria, by the time I would lie to them and say I'm still working, most of them are probably asleep anyway. But that was the only mechanism that I had of like getting away from all of this and not having to think about these sorts of things. Because not only did my mom... I lost my mom, like, like, I'm also being blamed for my mother's loss. Oh, yeah. And that's, like, a tough concept to really understand. And, and again, the people that are blaming me aren't, like, outside people. These are probably, like, the closest, some of the closest family that I've ever had. Like, family that we've spent whole summers together, you know, mm-hmm. growing up. Like, whole summers together. Like, couldn't even hang out with my friend because I'm hanging out with this, these family members. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. And I enjoyed hanging out with them. These are like, my, this is family. Like, this is what I knew for years, you know? Like, and for me now, it's like, like I was getting blamed for the loss of my mother. Like, that's, to me, it was, it, it just hurt for so long, for so long, man. And when did that, or even if, if that, is that pain still there? Did it, you yeah. know, l- uplift a little bit? Um, are you kind of still in that same place for when you lived in, you know, Chicago or like what kind of shifted or, or changed, you know, from, you know, you're in the Bay now. Yeah. So what yeah, is like, what really yeah. kind of changed and shifted in your life? Yeah. Um, man, you know, before my mom passed, um, someone had told me, um, that, you know, you, uh, the person who told me this was actually, uh, a doctor, um, who dealt with cancer. And uh, he had saw how bad my mom was at the time when she was still alive. And he had a, he said one of the realest things ever. He said, you know, I'm praying for the best. But if the worst happens, just know that um, people are for the next few months, for the next few months prior to something happening, if something were to happen at the worst, people are going to are going to be around a lot. They're going to tell you that they love you. They're going to tell you that they're like a son to them. You're going to have a lot of motherly figures come to you for a while. And it may be for a month. It may be for two months. It may be for three months. Maybe even for six months. But a lot of those folks are eventually going to start going back to their everyday lives. Mm. And they're going to start living their regular day lives while you still have to cope with this emptiness. And he was like, just remember that. And I, for a long time, I I looked at that as like, man, people are going to be in my life and bullshit me for a while. And then they're going to just disappear. But 
what I should have taken it was as like I still need to focus on my life because while I'm mourning or trying to figure things out like I'm three years behind now like people have already moved on and I hadn't moved on I'm still trying to figure out I was trying to figure out what relationships I had I was trying to trying to figure out who should I be mad at who shouldn't I be mad at during this pe- the, during this time period and while I'm thinking about all that all these people have just moved on Uh, And they're progressing in their life. And once I started to realize that the phone calls had stopped and, you know, people really don't care anymore was when I started to, like, take a hold on, all right, you know, like, what's next for you career-wise? Like, what are you about to do to make yourself happy? You know what I'm saying? And that's when I really started to, like, okay, what's up, you know, like, like, let's, let's buckle down now, like. Yep. You got that out the way. Like, now it's no more excuses. Like, what's up? Yep. Even though I haven't mourned yet, like, what's up? Like, you're not about to sit here and still pretend to try and figure things out. Like, what's up? And we need actions. Like, <laughs> we need actions. You know what I'm saying? I feel it. Yeah. There's like, especially, I feel like, especially in the in the black community. Yeah. Bro, there's no excuses. Nah, like, not at all. It'd be like that. You yeah. just got to, like keep rolling for sure like for sure i've had you know people in my family tell me when i've been through very very tough times it's like i feel it but what you gonna do yeah like, <laughs> you know what i mean like i understand it hurts yeah. and you're in pain but like life keeps going like it does. What, you, what you gonna do Man. what you gonna do about it i remember I, I came from this place where like i was on top when i graduated i made the most money hands down of my friends group right yeah. like and that wasn't easy, too. Like, I put the work in to earn that. Like, it wasn't handed to me. Like, I put the work in on myself, and I was doing certain things. But for, like, three years after that, I was so stagnant. I feel it. Okay. I was so stagnant. All these people for three years were moving on with their lives. Mm-hmm. They were excelling. They were doing better. They had their mother, their father to support them and congratulate them. As I'm still figuring out who who likes me and who doesn't and why they don't like for three years I'm I'm doing I'm dealing with this you know what I'm saying and then it came to the point I was like yeah damn everyone around me is like starting to make a little bit more money than myself yo do you know what's going on like you, you haven't been doing anything over these last like three years besides yep. sitting around you know yep so what got you what kind what got you to the bay like what brought you out here? Yeah, so uh, man, I was I was recruiting uh, for the staffing firm called Tech Systems. <laughs> we've, yeah, all, we've all been there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I started seeing like these companies like Google and Facebook start picking up these people. I'm like, damn, Google? Yeah. I you know Google hires for these things. Facebook? Yep. <laughs> people work at Facebook? Yep. Like coming from the Midwest, you kind of don't think about those sort of things. Like those are just like. Cause even now when I tell people I work at Pinterest back in Chicago, like what Pinterest? What? <laughs> What's there to do at Pinterest? Like yep. they have people. I'm like, man, it's like a whole it takes it's a company, you gotta run a company, you know, like there's yeah. certain aspects. It's, Remember I was telling yeah. my grandma, I was like, um, when I first got a job at Google, I was like, Yeah, like I'm, I'm working at Google, um, I'm recruiting there. She's like, Oh, you still doing that? Yeah. Like, what you mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 same. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people don't man, I got the I got the African, the Nigerian family too, so they sometimes really don't understand what certain like new upcomings of technology and things of that nature. So, like uh, when I was working at Tech Systems, and I saw like a lot of my like people that I was close with, and they started moving to California for these companies like Facebook, Google, like Sade. Like I remember, hey, that's day. my girl. Yeah, hey, shout out to Sade. Sade, man. Like I remember the day <laughs> she was leaving 
I think I was like, she was the, I think Sade was the first person who actually just kept it real with me because we had some other folks who had left that I wasn't as close with enough to ask questions. And she, I remember she had pulled up to the office for something and I vividly remember her dropping me off at the barbershop as her whole car was packed for her uh, to go to Google. I was asking like, yo, what's, what's up with this? And she's telling me about, I'm like, damn, wow, okay. And I was like, you know what? I still want to give Chicago a try. I didn't want to leave. And uh, I, I thought the only end, I came to this point where it was like a glass ceiling. Um, and I didn't know how to get around this glass ceiling of making more than like 55K. Mm. I, I could not figure it out. Every opportunity that I wanted, I was making 55K at the time. I'm like, how the hell do I get over making 55K? I could not figure it out. And, you know, the Nigerian and, and me and my blood and my family was like, you need to go back to school. You go back to school. You get a degree, extra degree. You're automatically going to make way more, which is not the case. You know, you don't, <laughs> Definitely not it's true. Not, it's not true for sure. You got to actually have a plan. And in my mindset, I was like, Man, I really think I should just go to Google and things of that nature. But one of the promises was to my mom before she passed. I made her like a few promises, like four or five. I made it five actually, um, and um, and uh, one of those promises was I said I was gonna go back to school and get my MBA. And um, at the time, like it worked out in a situation where like I could go back to school at that time to go get my MBA, even though I was like, man, right now I was a year and a half in the tech systems. I was like, I could go to Google, Facebook. I had these connections where I can make it happen, but yeah. I just took the L for that time. I was like, you know, what, let me just go back to school for this these next two years. And just grind it out and um, get my MBA. But I, I promised myself those two years, I was going to network like crazy as much as I could in Chicago and do the best I could to make something happen, make something pop. And I, I started noticing like the degree wasn't helping at all. The degree was like, I get these companies that are like, oh, well, you're, you're overqualified. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like overqualified where I'm making more, I would make more money. Like I would take it. Like I'm not over, like I'm not. <laughs> but for them, it was probably an excuse. Like I, I still feel like Chicago is one of the most segregated cities ever. And a lot of times like I would walk into these places and my name is Dino and Abagu. Dino can be considered either Italian or Greek. And Abagu, it's a mix of letters that you really, unless you're black or African, yeah, you, know, say, you yeah. don't know what an Abagu means when you see the word Dino first before that that can mean any because if you see an abagu when you see a name like Amecca or something you know that's probably nigerian or some sort of african or, yeah. you know what i mean yeah dino and abagu you just don't know like um the only other dino i knew is his name was dino uh theodoropolis mm. and abagu theodoropolis you never know you know yeah. what i mean when you're reading it on paper and i i would walk into these rooms after getting the, the phone screen and after doing a, like killing the phone screen interviews I walk on site and I could see the difference and change of people, their their demeanor, their demeanor and yeah. everything was coming. And, and I was a recruiter before this was happening, so I know how to interview over the phone. I I think there were very few times where like I, I would phone screen and I wasn't getting on, on site. As soon as I got on site, that's where I saw a decline of, yep, not a fit, yep, not a fit, yep, not a fit. Like I remember that one specific company, I'm not gonna name, like. Hands. I had to give a presentation for the interview. The person who I was giving the presentation for, I couldn't even describe to you exactly how much our resumes were the exact same. We, besides the school, 
We went to Atlanta for the exact same company. We did the same program. We stayed in Atlanta for the exact same time. We then got into recruiting. We were recruiting for, I think I recruited longer than he did. And then he got to that company. And I was like, cool, man, for sure. Like, given this presentation is going to be easy. Like, we have the exact same background, except now he's a manager. Mm. He's, he's, he was like three years older than me. So we had the same trajectory. Yeah. So I'm like, literally the stars are aligning. I went in there. I gave hands down the best interview I've ever given in my life. Um, from the presentation, everything. I was so well prepared for that. But I knew when I walked out of that interview, I killed it for sure. But I knew. I remember calling my dad like, yeah, I didn't get it. And my dad was like, did you not prepare for it? I thought you said you I was like, no, I killed the interview. But they're not going to hire me. Nah. And at that point in time, when that interview happened, I knew it was time to leave Chicago. And that was the second year of my MBA program. And from that point on, I said for 100% fact, once I graduate, I'm not even applying to any positions in Chicago. Yeah. I'm moving. Okay. I'm moving. And then... um. My big sis, Camille, you know, we had been talking through all this and she had gotten me in contact with, with Pinterest and, um, you know, kind of stars just aligned and, and it worked out. And for me, hands down, it was like the best decision that I personally had ever made in my life. It was such a it was such an eye opener. It was so refreshing. Um, when I moved to the Bay, man, like over a year, like, just over a year ago, like, so many things, like, really opened up, and, um, I saw a lot of things as well, too, that really just was, was eye-opening, that no matter what I had done in the past, like, I had never seen anything like this before, and even to this day, like, my friends in Chicago, like, I really want them to see some of the things that I can see, because they're just as smart as I am, for sure, they can do a lot of things that I'm doing, but I was the one who got lucky enough to, to get the opportunity, you know, and, it's unfortunate that I know a lot of my friends in Chicago will, will never get a chance to really experience that. It's uh, it's great. Like I'm from California, bro. Yeah. Like I'm I'm from California, but I'm from Southern California, and it's way different than the Bay. Really. And like, yeah, some of the things that you're feeling, I feel the exact same things for yeah. some of my people where I'm from. Like I'm from San Bernardino, Colton area, and it's just like they're not, you know, too too many opportunities out there. The ones yeah. that we we get out here in the Bay. Right. Right. So I've been up here for about two and a half years. I moved from L.A. and even you know, LA to the Bay, like it's completely different. Yeah. Like the people that you're exposed to, yeah, their yeah. mindset, how they connect with one another, sure. how they try to put you on. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. <laughs> and you're exposed to just a yeah. whole lot of different cultures. Like For sure. the people that I hang out with out here, I'll say a good, like 60, 70% are Nigerians, bro. Oh, wow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. everyone I hang out with, they're like, oh, I'm Nigerian. Yeah. Oh, I'm Nigerian. I'm like, what? <laughs> I've never, like, I want, you know, in SoCal, there's not a lot of Nigerians. Yeah. Um, you know, out in, I went to college in Oregon, so, you know, oh, there's yeah. definitely yeah. not a lot of Nigerians. Yeah. Went back to LA, not a lot. And then now I'm in the Bay, and it's like being exposed to, you know, so African many. culture, yeah. bro. It's like, it's, it's different. And I'm glad that, you know, you and I both, Connected, you know, at this company. Yeah, and it's funny that we both knew Sade because, you know, I worked with her on the diversity team at Google. Right, right. You know what I mean. And then when I left Google to come here, it's crazy. You're like, oh, I worked in tech systems, you know, in Chicago. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> A plus B yeah, equals C. Yeah, okay. Yeah, oh gosh, it's like you right know Sade. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so 
it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. But like what I really remember from one of our first conversations is when we we're talking about, you know, Charlemagne the God yeah, and, you know, a, a lot of the things that he's doing within like the mental health space yeah. and how he's being a big advocate for the, you know, the, the black community. So, yeah. you know, when you first heard, you know, his message, like me personally, I listen to The Breakfast Club probably every morning. Same. Yep. I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan. I yeah. work out to it. Same. So when you heard his message. And him kind of pivoting because he wasn't always an advocate for no, 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 not no, at no. all. Yeah, he's just no, cracking no. jokes, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, People yeah, hating yeah, him, but yeah. now he's so positive, so uplifting. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. when you first heard, you know, Charlemagne's Charlemagne the God's like message. Like what did it? What did it do for you? How did it impact you? Dude, I I started listening to the Breakfast Club, man. When Ray J called in, and he was going crazy <laughs> off that man, and I saw how ignorant, how instigating they were. I was the exact same way. Like, if I promise you, if you would have put me in that same room, it would have been the exact same conversations. The things, the way that Charlamagne used to think, I was the exact same way. So, like, blunt and just saying whatever I felt so raw, didn't think twice about it. Like, this is just how I felt. And I think the thing that, like, I had always heard about going to therapy and things of that nature was... When I started to see the transition of Charlemagne, of how he changed from from personality, his personality, the way he was thinking, and he kept crediting all of that to therapy. When I was able to see this huge difference of night and day of who this person was, I was like, wow, like therapy must really be important, you know? And when I read his first book, I was like, man, this this is like, and that was one of my favorite books, like really inspiring and he after his first book he started going to therapy or maybe it was like towards the end of it or whatever but when he started talking about it i i remember it was right around that interview i had where they said no or they where i knew i wasn't going to get the job mm. and i remember getting off the train and i remember just wrapping up the book and i was like damn i need to be at a company that offers an opportunity where i can go to therapy i don't care what com- like i need to go to therapy and i remember interviewing um, I, I talked to Camille and Camille was like, yeah, I go to therapy. I was like, whoa, Pinterest offers that? She was like, oh yeah, they got like a really decent little program. For, I'm like, cool. Like as soon as I get full time and I'm going to therapy, yep. like I promise you, man, the first thing I did when I got that, I signed up for therapy. That was, <laughs> bro, that was the first thing I did. Like the very first, I remember asking her, I was like, so I can go to therapy now? She was like, yeah, sure. Cool. She's like, sure, if you want to, I guess Man, that's what you want. <laughs> I, I think I was in therapy probably a week later. Like, no lie. Like, I was so excited to go. And, and like, I don't know, man, since since going to that, like, it changed my life in a, a lot of different ways, for sure, over this last year. Mm. For sure. So you've been going, like, pretty consistently for the past year? Yeah. You know, I, I actually stopped going uh, a few months ago, just based off of scheduling. But I think one thing that therapy really taught me is about being open and having conversations. And I think that's why therapy is so important. I think what people are afraid of is having conversations and being vulnerable and not being judged. I agree. Saying things and not being judged, right? So like when I told you about the time when I spoke to my two best friends, I'm like, man, I'm like this dark skinned dude. I'm bigger. Like that was the first time with therapy of myself opening up. Yeah. And when I said it, like my friends laughed it off, but they didn't judge me. Yeah. They never judged me off that, right? Like, I didn't yeah. feel like they were old. They probably don't even remember it. Yeah. So that's how I knew they didn't judge me or, or think of yeah. me in a certain or different sort of way. 
And I think that's the really importance of, of what therapy is. You get this opportunity to speak to someone who who can't really judge you because you're never hanging out with your therapist. You know, like they're not sure. going to be talking to other people about what you have going on. So it allows you to just be open and just just start blurting things out. And I think with Charlemagne, one of the things he always talked about was how like for a while, like his dad went to therapy for a long time, for years, and he never his dad never said anything about it. But it's crazy because his dad is opening up to this person about all these things going on in his life. And his own son, Charlemagne, the guy had no idea about it. Ah, got you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's really what therapy does. It allows you to talk to someone and really open up across all boards. And what I've done over the last few months since, you know, I stopped going was I built a circle of, of folks that I can do that with. Yeah. And for me, I built that circle of folks that I can do that with. And that circle of folks that I can do that with, it's so much even easier than therapy because these people actually know me. And they'll check in on you. And they, they care can check about in you. On, they Genu- care about genuinely. me. Yeah. So for me, it was like, I started noticing because once I started going to therapy and I started opening up, I started opening up like Camille. She's someone that I, I talk to a lot about about random things, right? Um, and when opening up to her, it was for me it was better than therapy because here's someone that has known me for over ten years. She her parents are her dad's from the uh from the islands. So there's this this thing where I don't even have to explain certain things that she just understands. And it was therapeutic because I was enjoying, like Camille's also my friend. Like she's my big sis to me and like she's a friend. So I'm able to just not only open up to her, like I'm opening up to my friend, which is like, it's like getting an even better therapist, right? Because I have this therapist, because when I was in therapy, I felt like all I was doing was opening up, you know, and she would, my therapist would just um, talk to me about like looking at it from this perspective or that perspective, but that's what I, I don't want to say require, but that's what I love about the people that I do open up to is they know that when I'm talking to them about something, I'm talking to them about something, one, to get it out there, but I also want to see a different point of view. Exactly. I want to see a different lens. I don't want to talk to you about it and you're like, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Nah, man. I want to get feedback. I want to hear your perspective on what I just talked about. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about like deep stuff and opening up. Like I have a cousin, Shen Wei, who I've been doing this with for years, not even knowing that this is therapy for us, right? Like every time yeah. we get on the phone, we're talking about things. She's telling me about guys. I'm telling her about girls, and we can get on the phone, and I can I can just be blunt and tell her how I think about it. And it's not to down her or anything. It's literally just giving her the a different perspective um, that she just may not be used to or she wasn't thinking about and vice versa. And same with Camille. Like, they both provide me those things where now that's why I feel like I don't really have to go to therapy because as I started, once I realized what therapy was doing for me and I replaced that doing that with my friends, I started to feel like, I, like going to therapy was almost just a task. Yeah. But um, it was only a task because I had this... I have this therapy. Like, yeah. for me, that was enough. Like, they're providing me the same things that my therapist was providing me. But what changed was, is with my friends, like, I was now starting to be way more open. Got you. 
you know, you're not telling them just like 75% of the story. You're telling them 100%. Yeah. Like you would with your therapist. Like yeah. Your therapist has no reason. Like, okay, let me just tell my friend 100% of the story. Let me see. Oh, damn, they didn't even judge me. Like, they still invite me out. They still introduce me as a great person. Oh, okay, cool. Like, yep. I'm going to continue doing that. And they also know me. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not paying for it. <laughs> it's for free. It's for free. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's, and I think a lot of people just don't understand. And I think therapy is that first step for people. And for some people, that's the only step that they have. Like, yeah. I'm blessed to have these people in my corner that I can talk to about this. I know, like, probably, like, 95 or 98% of the world does not have that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I can, and I can agree. Like, my journey, like, finding therapy was, like, a lot different yeah. than a lot of people's. Because, like you said, like, that importance of, like, feeling vulnerable and not feeling judged is so hugely yeah, important. Because, like, for me, growing up, no one judged me. Like, my dad encouraged me to express myself when I was eight. Yeah. And then all my friends, we had goofy, we'll cry together. We're like, this girl played me, bro. Yeah. And it's like, it's all good, man. You trying to you're trying to go to Del Taco, you trying to get some ice cream, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. And like we'll play sad songs together, we'll laugh. But it's like when I went to college and started playing football there, it's like I'm meeting dudes from Texas. I'm meeting dudes from Florida. I'm yeah. meeting dudes who are like, we're just different. Yeah. Like the way we talk is different. different. Our background's different. different. The way we grew up, our communities are just different. So like how you ha- how you handle things is, is different. So like these people are calling me like different and weird and this and that. Yeah. But it's like you might not know this, but like in SoCal, like calling someone weird is like probably one of the biggest insults wow. like ever like if someone's like hey he a weirdo or like he weird it's like a really big insult yeah. like in SoCal, yeah 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 so like if you like oh bro's weird yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people yeah, take yeah. offense to that so yeah. like you know going to college i'm like man like i can't even really be myself because it's not a lot of people that i really knew so it's like all right i'm gonna go to therapy and it's like i went in there and then like the first thing like the lady talked to me for like 20 minutes and was like trying to throw pills at me and like I said, my mom works in the mental health field, so my mom was irate. My mom was pissed. pissed yeah. yeah, like, no, you're going to try to figure this out for yourself. Um, so I found another therapist, started going with him pretty consistently, and I learned some pretty good skills. But I still had this fear because, yes, I'm going to see them, but I'm still getting judged on the outside, outside world. Yeah, yeah, so it was yeah. really hard for me to, like, really, really fit in. I felt like the way you felt when you were younger moving to Chicago mm-hmm. is how I felt in college. college yeah, Just crazy. trying to fit in, trying to understand, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. but it wasn't until, like, you know, for you, you're good at sports, you know, you make good yeah, friends. Yeah. It wasn't until I started really playing on the field, people started respecting yeah, me, yeah. people started, you know, giving me love, and it's like, I didn't start talking about my depression and, and everything like that until, like, I was I was like the captain on the team and like people knew who I was and people wanted to be around me and I was accepted and I and I didn't care if I was judged at yeah. that point. I'm like I know who I am, you yeah. know. So like I started going to therapy pretty consistently and I remember even with that same therapist I told him I was like, "All right, I know I've been seeing you for like a year, year and a half consistently, you know, off and on, but like let's really get down to business." Mm-hmm. I was like, "I'm really ready to open up to you." And that's probably one of the best decisions that I ever made yeah. in my life was opening up to him. Because it allowed me to open up to my family, allowed me to open up to my friends, um, you know, coworkers. Yeah. It allowed me just to be a more empathetic, open person, person yeah, 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 as a yeah. whole. And because of that, when I started sharing my story and being more vulnerable and talking to people about things that I've dealt with in life and that I continue to deal with, it made me more real. You know what I mean? People could relate to me. I guess, I and then guess. when I like put that forth to people, that vulnerability, I was like, wait a minute. 
everyone feels this too. Yeah. Everyone is going through similar things. Yeah. Everyone, and it's just like, it's normal. Mm-hmm. It's completely normal, normal yeah, to feel sure. these things and to go through these things and to go through lives that ebbs and flows. Yeah. And, and us just sharing our stories is really was being empathetic is really yeah. what's going to br- br- bridge that gap and create peace I agree. in a lot of different ways. I agree. I agree, man. Just like being able to, you know, you hear so many times where people love like, CEOs that are just relatable. You know? oh, and, there we go. You know I mean? yep. it's, it's the same thing where it's like you just want to be around people that are relatable. Like they're not perfect. Like they they may act perfect and things of that nature, but at the end of the day, like we're all like and that was something that I struggled with for a long time. Like, man, I'm just human and they're just human. Like I can't hold them to a certain standard of perfection or a freaking robot of perfection like they're human they're going to make mistakes they're going to have feelings like and that's okay 100 like that is that is okay to have those you know but it's more so like you want to make sure that you're not like for me is like the judging aspect like I, I i'll recognize sometimes when i'm talking to someone and i'll ask them a question right and i can see them sitting there trying to figure out how to say it the first thing i say, just say it Say whatever's on your mind. Just say, I'm not going to judge you. Just say it. Say it as raw as it is in your head. Like, don't don't put it together nice. Don't package it. Just say it. I need to know. Yeah, I, I want to hear. know. I, I want to know the real you. I want to know the real you. The real good yeah. and the bad. I want to know the real yeah, you. Yeah, just say it. I promise you I will not judge. And you can tell when someone's, like, when you, after I say that, I can tell when someone, like, didn't give me the full answer. I'm like, nah, nah say that again, man. Say it again. I want to yeah. hear it. I want to hear it. Say it again. Please I'm, say it again. I'm at the point now, bro, to be honest, like, I can't have a conversation with someone that's not going to be vulnerable. Bro, yeah, if you're not going to give me your full self, I'd rather not even really connect with yeah. you. To be honest, like if I don't get the the real you, all of yeah, you, yeah. I'd rather not even really you know converse with you. For sure, like it's not because I don't. I want the real you. I want to know the real, yeah, authentic, yeah, genuine you. Because I'm you. never going to judge you. Exactly, exactly. But on the flip side, it's also hard for me to tolerate or talk to people that are judgmental. Oh, I cannot like to yeah, I cannot. Yeah. I, that is one of my biggest pet peeves, is because it's like. So how do you handle that? Like, say you come across someone and and they and you're you may not even say something particular to you, but you're you're sitting maybe you're sitting in a group and someone says something and and you see someone else start becoming judgmental whether they yeah. say something or the look in their face and, and like and do I know this person? Uh. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so like, yeah, so if I, so for me, I'm a listener, bro. Like, I'm really good at like listening to people and like really, really paying attention. Yeah. So if someone is starting to be judgmental, I've already peeped their true lifestyle. I peeped the things that, you know what I mean, that they said that they don't think I was paying attention to. Me too. So they might say something judgmental, but I'm like, but wait a minute. (laughs) You have three friends that did the same thing and you didn't say anything. I'm like, actually, you did this the other day. Yeah. I won't. I won't put them on blast. But you think but, I, but, but you know, and I'll, I'll say it. But I won't put it on blast. You know, to everyone. Or I would say like, well, have you ever been in a situation yeah. where? So I like to combat. You know, people with their own experiences mm-hmm. that I know about mm-hmm. them because, yeah. like, I uh, one a close friend once told me a long time ago. You know, uh, time will make a hypocrite out of anyone, mm. and that stands so true to me because I've That's seen so many man. people change their narratives, change their perspective with time. Yeah. And it's just like that's why I'm not gonna judge anyway, because what I think today may be different, different. in the next yeah. two years, six yeah. months, five years. So I'd rather not even be judgmental. Yeah. And I've seen I've seen that pattern with a lot of people to where they're this person today, 
but in a couple years they're another person and I'm like hey but what about that yeah, person yeah, yeah, joke around yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah, like what sure, and they're like sure. yeah I just grew up so it's just yeah. like never really be judgmental because you never you fully you know never. a full story it's, everything's not black and white and you hear these cliche same sayings same. all the time yeah, it's not, yeah, and yeah. like and I remember people used to tell me this stuff all the time I'm used to think like, so naive I, yeah. that's, that's how I would describe like, it yeah. I was just very very naive when I was younger yeah just ignorance I just yeah, didn't know yeah, and then yeah, like yeah, yeah. when you grow up a little bit and you meet a lot of different people in a lot of different situations yeah. you become more empathetic and you Absolutely. start to be like wait a minute okay I let me listen like let me let listen, listen first, first before I throw any judgment on anyone and you know what's crazy is I think that's what therapy helps with because yes. Therapy, the other person is just listening. They're sitting there not judging you. No matter what you tell them, they are not judging you. Because I used to say things to my therapist and like, like, damn, do you think I'm a bad person now? And she'd say, no. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a recruiter, so I know when someone's lying. Touche. I know when you're lying. <laughs> like, that's one thing that people don't realize is as a recruiter, when you're a good recruiter, I talk to, what? I don't know. <laughs> hundreds of candidates a year yeah. you know what I'm saying so many different personalities probably in a month bro man in a month, yeah. I, I'm just being like you know what I'm saying I'm just throwing a load of, but people don't realize like yo, when you talk to people like on a regular it makes life so much harder because now I can pinpoint it like when someone is lying I know they're lying quickly and if I don't know they're lying and I figure it out when I see them that next time and I see that same facial expression of how they tell me something mm-hmm. I know that person's lying yep. you know what I'm saying and but sitting in therapy allowed me to 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 take the time of not only catching someone in a lot, but just being empathetic to a situation that could be very uncomfortable and just understanding what that person was going through and not judging them right away. Mm-hmm. Um, or just not judging them at all because you, you can't put yourself... You, you don't know what that person was going through in that very moment, why they made those decisions. It's, you know what I'm saying? Man, so true. Granted, whether you would have made that decision or not, you don't know the toughness or the weakness that they had in their past Mm -hmm. that allowed them to be vulnerable in that very moment to make that decision that they made. Because if you were in that same position, you may have acted differently. You may have done the right thing, but you may have had the support all your life that would allow you to done the right thing in that moment. Yeah. Someone else at that point in time just may not have been mentally at that moment to make the right decision you yeah. know and then like i like i was saying before like how my parents got divorced yeah. like you know stuff with like how my dad handled certain things when we growing up in high school and in college like i didn't really understand i'm like bro how could you act like this yeah, how could you yeah, say yeah, these yeah, yeah, you know certain sure. things and you know and also other areas of my life other you know men that i've seen like how could he do that how could he do that being kind of judgmental and then like I grew up and I was like, now I'm at the age to where they were making certain decisions that yeah, affected yeah, me yeah. when I was younger. And it's like, I kind of get it now. You know <laughs> sure. what I mean? Like being a father of two, two kids, kids at yeah, like yeah, 23. Yeah. You know, my, my mom had me at 19. I think my dad was 21. Probably had my brother when he was probably like 24. Having yeah, two kids yeah, at 24, man, married, man. home, responsibilities, <laughs> also being a, a black man. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, as I'm getting older, it's like, okay, let me take a step back. back. And, like, I don't really know what he was going going through, through, like, mentally. Yeah. Like, I don't know what he was going through mentally. And it's like, yes, it affected me. I Yes, it it did affect me. A lot of things affected me. But it's just like, I didn't understand. Like, now that I'm getting older, I'm starting to understand more. Like, okay, this will be way harder if I was married. Like, these decisions, these situations, way harder if I have... Two children. two children. You know what I mean? Like, 
so it's so yeah. it's so eye opening, and it's like those lessons have taught me like, all right, bro, like don't don't ever really try to judge people right off the bat. Yeah. Um. Because especially your parents, especially your parents. <laughs> it, it's hard because like they're your role models. And they're the, the ones the, you're the most critical on. You know, the ones you're most yeah. critical on. Um. But I've I've learned a lot, man. Like you said, therapy just opened up a a whole nother world for me. Yeah. It's so weird that you say that too. Like, um, do you feel like, um, you know, going through therapy, what do you think about like when it comes to like understanding, right? Like, for example, um, you, I'll use myself as an example. There may have been certain times in my life where at one point I didn't even understand why they would make such a, what I thought was such a stupid decision. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, I still, for me now, I don't understand why they made that decision, but I can understand. Like, I'm saying, I don't relate to them making that decision. Yes. But I understand why they make that decision. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. Do you feel like, even, because especially with your parents and you're going through divorce, like divorce, right? Like, as a child, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> parents are supposed to stay together. Yeah. As always. Yeah. That's law. No. Ain't, there's nothing. There's no gray area. Yeah, there's no gray. There's, you're together. Yeah, there's no not being together. Yeah. But it's like, as you grow up, you may not really understand all the nuances or, or you may be like, no. Mom was a great person, like, yeah. uh, but at the end of the day, that's a woman, mm-hmm. you know, and and your dad is a man. There's that attraction there, like, but they're your parents, so you you're you're thinking about it a little differently. And it's yeah. like now you're just like I don't know. For me, it would be like I don't agree, but I can understand. Yes. Do and you feel like that you you got to that point or? Yeah, uh, and I think I, I am at that point. I don't know if you know therapy per se got me to that point, but sure. also for me, like therapy is a source for me to cope and also like reading too so i I really really do read a lot especially a lot of blogs um i hear a lot of people's stories i like to learn from people's mistakes yeah um that's why i feel like i try to acquire as much wisdom as possible from a lot of people's mistakes yeah so i'll listen to a lot of people doing these situations and i'm like okay you did this but like why and then like i'll listen to their why and it's like okay if i was in that situation you know, and yeah, in that, if I was in that specific situation dealing with similar things, I and I didn't grow up the way that I grew yeah, up, yeah, and I grew yeah, up the way that they, they grew, grew up, up yeah, I can understand, understand why yeah. my mindset would would you know kind of resort Go to ahead. that way. Like Man. you really have to embed yourself into their lifestyle, sure. until, and not just the lifestyle that you know about. You gotta go a little bit deeper because like the things that you experience when you're younger all add up to equate to like the person you are present day man i agree i asked man you know it's funny uh that's one thing that like diversity for me is so important because people come from all different walks of life different backgrounds people talk differently um people may say certain may say things differently than what you're accustomed to what you've grown up around you may have gotten lucky and you may work with the people that look like you all your life. My thing is I want people to just open up to different things and understand that it's okay to be in the room with people who don't talk just like you. It's okay to be in the room with someone who doesn't think just like you do as well. You know, like, granted, like, I I hate Trump for 10,001 reasons, a billion reasons, right? I probably will never like the guy. 
But one thing that I, 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 I can say that I'm open to is listening to someone who is a Trump supporter because I want to hear their point of view. Mm-hmm. I, I can 100% I, agree. I may, I may 1,000% disagree with it after I hear their... But I got to give them the opportunity to, to let me hear their point of view. Like, sometimes people will give me their point of view. I'm like, come on, bro. That's trash. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you talking stupid now. Yeah. Like, you still talking racism. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But I'm going to give them at least the opportunity to speak just because vice versa... There's a lot of people who won't give me the opportunity to speak simply because I'm black. Mm-hmm. And I, simply because I'm black. And what I can say to that is therapy definitely helped me with that. To Same. be able to think Same. objectively yeah. and try to be as fair and unbiased as possible. Yeah. I might not agree with you. I might hate every single word you're saying. Man. But I'm, a, I'm going to listen. listen yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and really listen to listen. Not just listen to combat what it oh, is that you're no, saying. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 I'll yeah. be like, oh, okay, I, I see that. Like, as I said, I'm always the type of, I want to combat somebody. I'm going to combat someone with their own words and yeah, their own experiences. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if they're like, you know, feeding some stuff that I'm not, I'm like, I'm going to show them that I was really listening to the things yeah, that they say. Yeah. And then I'm going to play it back to them. Like, how does that really sound? Uh, yeah. And then they're going to be like, and that's when the discussion kind of, the discussion. Yeah, that's when you start Because like, you can't be like, you know, you know, very very close minded because you can't really make a lot of progress that way but you can never I learned this when I worked at my first job this is when like the Trump stuff happened yeah, yeah, yeah. and all this stuff was happening my first job and I was quiet I'm people don't never believe this but I'm actually a very shy person yeah. and I do not like opening up like right away yeah. so I was very very Same. quiet when people this is when like cap First kneeled. Everyone was talking. Like, you you worked at Texas. I worked at Aerotech. So it's the same thing. Everyone's, like, talking about how they're, you know, they don't like this and this and that. Yeah. 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 And I was just, like, just listening to it all. And me, I'm huge on black, um, black literature, African-American literature. So, like, I'm, I'm just, like, listening to them talk and listening to them talk. And I remember I was, like, getting, like, upset. And I was just, like, just kind of, like, leave. And my manager, he noticed that. He noticed that. He was, like, why don't you ever say something? And mind you, I'm, he's from, like, He's from Cleveland. So he, I'm like the first black person you ever really had a conversation yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. He's like, why don't you ever say something? And I was just like, man, there's no point. Like, we don't see, we don't see eye to eye. Like, there's yeah, no point. Yeah, yeah. And he was just like, never underestimate your influence. Mm. And that got me kind of thinking, like, if I'm able to hear someone out, they are able to hear me out. We're able to have a, a healthy dialogue without trying to change each other's, per, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, per, uh, perspective. If I happen to kind of shed some light and change their perspective, that means that I left an imprint on their heart, yeah. and then I don't know how that's going to affect their network. Yeah. So they might be have been feeling this whole way for years. I, a conversation with me might change their whole way of thinking. Then they tell their son, they tell their mom, they tell their aunt, they tell their friends, and then they tell their their for friends, sure. yeah. and it might be a web that kind of started with yeah. me. So it's yeah. like I never want to kind of close that door for a huge opportunity like that if I feel like I have something truly valuable to say man I, it's crazy I, I thoroughly agree because you can uh, yeah you can never you'll be shocked when you put someone through a, a scenario right like I, I, this story is funny um, my, my home teacher all through high school um, uh, he was talking to myself and my best friend Richard about like job opportunities in high school and like man we were like man it's hard for us to get jobs here He's like, man, what do you mean? Like, everyone in the classroom is getting jobs. Like, this is high school where we're a little bit more diverse. Like, Kim's getting a job and so and so's getting a job or whatever. And um, they're working at, like, you know, different restaurants or people are getting, like, 
barbacks or their um not barbacks but like you know just cleaning up things of that nature right mm-hmm. and i was talking like man we're putting in these applications but when we get through the door people are not hiring us and he was like nah man that's not the case that's not the case at all i'm like man i swear he was like man you guys are just putting in the effort <laughs> and but he just didn't know like yeah. everyone else was putting the effort and also too i could definitely see why he didn't think we were putting the effort because we were lazy as hell in class so like I can see why it's like okay we're probably not putting that like but no we really were like we we used to go down to the library every day and just try to find jobs and we wanted to get the freshest shoes the freshest clothes in yeah. high school you know what I'm saying hey that impressed the ladies bro exactly so it's like I'm really trying to do this you know what I'm saying? like <laughs> I really am working and um you know it's crazy he was like he's like all right guys I'm give y'all one shot I got a friend he works across the street at the restaurant. Um, I talked to him about both of you guys. Like, Tom, I got two, you know, I'm saying, gentlemen, just, just really, these guys are just looking for, to get their foot in the door. You know what I'm saying? He was like, you guys got to create a resume, which we did. He's like, you know, dress appropriately, which we did. Make sure you meet me at the school here on time. You know what I'm saying? We'll just walk across the street, 10 o'clock. You know what I'm saying? So we did that. Me, uh, my friend, me and my guy, Rich, we got there early, like 10 minutes early. We met him. He's like, oh, snap, man. Y'all, y'all look nice. You know what I'm saying? For this. <laughs> we walked across the street, going to the restaurant. Um, we first get in there, and then they're like, oh, can you, um, you guys table for three? And we're like, oh. And uh, he's like, yeah, well, um, no, we're, we're actually meeting the the manager of the restaurant at the time. And um, they were like, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll go grab him. Can we get you guys some water and things like that? So we go sit down. We get some water. Um his guy comes in where we're all sitting down. Um, mind you, they're both white or whatever. And uh, comes in, we introduce ourselves, and uh, something happened. I, I don't remember to this day. I can't remember now, but um, and they ended up going and like they're having a separate conversation. So my friend Richard and I, were like, okay, cool. They're probably talking about like this interview process, what's gonna happen, like who's gonna talk to first, maybe what they're gonna talk to us about. I figured my teacher's gonna come back. One of us are gonna go. He'll talk to us in the meantime. Whatever. Mind you, he said like he had two openings for us, two two job openings for both of us. The intent was for us to go there, and we were supposed to be hired, right? And um, comes back. He was like, "Guys, let's go." I'm like, what? What? Man, we woke up early. It's a Saturday morning. Like, you know what I'm saying? We didn't go out last night. It's a Saturday morning. We're trying to get this job. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He's like, "Come on, guys, let's go." We're sitting there like, what, what? Well, what about the drinks? Like, we just, we had, I think we had some uh, water and I think someone got pop or something. Myself or maybe Richard got pop. Like, what about paying? Like, do we got to pay for this? And he's like, nah, don't worry about it. Like, come on, let's go. And we're just like, man, what? So he's walking ahead of us. And I see him looking back to make sure that we're just following behind him. We walk in, we walk out of the restaurant and you got to kind of walk through the mall. I see him just like, he's in front of us, we're behind him. And you could tell he's just not right. Flustered? Uh, it was more so of like a what the hell just happened moment. Oh, for him. got you. So we're sitting there like, man, what's up? I don't want to say his name. But like, man, what's going on? Like, yeah. you know, like, what's, what's going on? And he was like, um, I don't know how else to, to say this, but. Like, he pretty much told me that he doesn't have those positions open anymore. And we're just like, we we took it up. Oh, damn. All right. Well, shit. <laughs> Little kid time. We're like, oh, yeah, no budget sort of situation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But he knew what was up. 
he was much older. Yeah. Like he's he knew that his guy was bullshit and it was like he saw us and his two black kids in Skokie, the same place before. Like, granted, Skokie had become way more diverse at the time in this mall, but he knew that that guy, who was no longer his friend anymore, didn't want to hire two young black kids. Yeah. For him, that was like a huge culture shock and a huge eye opener forever. Mm-hmm. To this day, like, yo, he, he's married to an Hispanic woman, got beautiful, diverse <laughs> kids, you know what I'm saying? And when Trump was going wild in 2016, man, he was on Facebook. Ah, if any of you guys, former students, follow Trump, like, get off my page. Like, he was, yeah. not that he was even that way beforehand. I think he really got a chance to see the day in the life of what it's like being us. Yeah. Here are two innocent kids who have done literally nothing wrong in their life. These kids come to class every single day. They, they go to school across the street. They're two athletes, and mind you, at that time, the restaurant didn't know, like, like they probably wouldn't be able to put a face to a name, but, you know, they didn't, they, they couldn't see us. We weren't big enough where we were like, oh, that's Dino and Richard, like, oh, we know those guys, like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, maybe we would have flashed an idea or something, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But it was just such an eye-opening moment for him, but it's like, kind of like what you were talking about, where, you know, you never know how that moment when you're teaching someone who you think couldn't be taught how that changed that person's life forever. Mm-hmm. Like here we are at 15 years old, teaching someone who's probably 10 years older, a whole aspect of life of what we go through on a regular day basis. So when we come to you and we're like, man, we're struggling to get a job. It's not because we're not trying. It's not because we're not get putting the work in. It's because people really just don't want to hire us based off of my skin color. Yeah, And they don't even want to give me the opportunity to prove myself simply based off my skin color. Yeah. And for him, I think that was so eye-opening that that was a teaching moment for him that he couldn't have got that from a white kid in our class who was 15. Because mm-hmm. those two white kids or those two, those girls would have got hired. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I had a similar situation too to that. Like, you know, you know, one of my, um, you know, one of my first jobs that I've had, I, um, was chatting with with my manager just about like you know life and, and everything like that and, and what I've been through and this is around the time where everyone's like you know every, all the shootings has happened Trey oh, Martin yeah, like yeah, it is like back yeah, to back yeah, to back yeah, 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 yeah. bro I'm all messed up in the head like I'm going to work like <laughs> like and scared yeah. like I'm living yeah, in LA I'm like yeah, anything yeah. can happen any yeah. day so we had a lot of conversations about life but one time we had like a happy hour where like everybody was basically there and then that topic got brought up. About you know an you know black yeah, man getting yeah, shot, yeah. and I didn't want like I said I'm very reserved, so I don't want to be in that conversation. Yeah, I don't want to be in that conversation. Yeah, in that conversation. Like, be here. And yeah. some of the leadership was just like, well, we want to know the answer. We have a black person right here. We oh, might as well just yeah. ask. Now you gotta speak for all black yes. people. <laughs> so they want me to speak for all black people, and this is all I gotta say. This is all, the only thing I have to tell them because I only can speak from my experience. Yeah. And what I told them is. The first time I got pulled over by a cop to fit a, a fit a description is I think I was maybe 10 years old. Yeah. Uh, and I will never forget it because that's the day that um, USC played Texas in a natty. Yeah. That's the, I will never forget that day. And my friends ran. I got caught. And they were just like, I thought you fit a description. They, and they had me sit on the curb, question me, and let me go. Yeah. But I'm 10, bro. Like, Same I'm 10 time. years old. So then... I kind of explained to them what was taught to me when I was like 15, when I learned how to drive. Yeah, yeah. Like my stepdad would like tell me like, hey, 
You need to turn off your car. Right, yeah. You need to move your rearview mirrors away that you're not looking back. And I want you to put your keys and both of your hands outside the window. Yeah. Just to let them, no. there's, there's yeah. let to let them know you're not a threat at all. Yeah. And when I'm explaining that to them, like one of, you know, the managers was getting like teary eyed because she had a son, you know, and a daughter that was, um, you know, 14 and 15 years old. It was just like, I could never imagine having that teaching my son that that concept like how can i even i'm like that's a reality it's life or like and i was like you guys are like seeing it like these people are dying and this and that these innocent people i'm like yo you guys know me you guys love me that could be me you could be having hashtag uh rest in peace uh derek malone any you know what i mean that could be me like think about your relationship with me and how you know me and like my that's me that's me on the tv that's what kind of softened their hearts and oh, give them a man. different perspective. Sure. Like being a black man, you know, always being on guard, always being hyper aware and dealing with real life issues that every other person kind of deals with in life. You know, like a loss of a family member, yeah. you know, trying to get a job that can take a real big toll on you mentally. For sure it does. So like, you know, you've been through a lot in life from like a mental, you know, capacity in, in all aspects. So it's like, is there like, any bit of advice that you can give to you know anyone listening is there any advice that you can give someone that has lived a similar life to you that's you know probably have battled or battling similar yeah. things to you like what are some like you know some gems some tokens that they yeah. can take away so some of your yeah, learnings yeah. you know some of your learning some of the things that For you sure. should do some things you probably shouldn't you you, sh- you advise people not to do yeah like yeah, what are yeah. some you know bits of advice that you can give you know some of our listeners Man, I would say one is do right every time, for sure. Do the right thing every time. Like, there's always two options. The easy, a lot of times, the easy way is to do the wrong thing, whether it's lying or making the bad decision or doing something illegal. But do the right thing every time, and then also like see the positivity in the future. Have things that you're trying to accomplish. Because the times of myself where I was so negative and so down and depressed on myself were times where I didn't see a light. I didn't see that there was any sort of positivity that was going to come. Or I didn't see, I just wasn't really being a positive person, right? Like, I could go out, drink with my friends and things of that nature. But when I went to sleep at night, like, what? I didn't have anything that I was trying to accomplish. I didn't really have any goals. And I needed a reason to really live for something. Like, and and living for something isn't living for other people, right? Like, for three years, I lived for other people, figuring out who liked me or who didn't like me within my own family. And I put I put aside my whole life for three years. Like, granted, I still did things. Like, I went on trips and kicked it with my friends. And But as a person, I didn't grow for three years because that was that was what I was trying to accomplish. But once I started, like, okay, grad school, two years, I'll be done with grad school. Once I get done with grad school, man, I'm probably going to be in tech. Once I'm in tech, I'm about to start balling. Once I get to tech, I'm going to start, you know, it's, like, there was all, I always now, for myself, I, I have something that I'm trying to attain, and I'm trying to accomplish that goal, and then it's, like, on to the next. When we don't have that on to the next, you don't see the positivity in your life, and you're not always doing right, man, it can be tough. But if you're always doing the right thing, 
like at least you can the bare minimum go to sleep at night feeling good you know what i'm saying yeah and if you have dreams and things like sometimes those dreams and things are what will keep you pushing like when you got great ideas it's like man you know what i gotta get myself healthy because i want to have enough energy to be able to accomplish my goals and i want to have enough energy to to continue to do something right like man i'm dating right now and it's like yo i want to just I'm trying to do so many positive things to set myself up for like I'm dating you and who knows we get to that situation and uh, things work out and you know now we want to start a family like yo I'm set up for that you know like that's what those are the goals that I want to enter into or you know God forbid that things doesn't work out it's like if I even enter in another situation like I'm already set to go like I'm already coming in with a, a high heel on my shoulders like hey this is what I've done this is what I'm working towards and you know, but right now for me, it's more so like just staying positive, being around positive people and doing the right thing consistently and always and just having like goals, attainable goals, whether you write those things down, you know, and just kind of sticking to that and, and looking to that because the world isn't the isn't a perfect place. Sometimes in some places it's not a great place, you know, but you got to find the, the positivity out of that and don't be afraid to. I'll say this as as something, you know, um, when you start finding yourself and you start doing what's best for yourself, please realize that you will outgrow certain people and people will not like you. And that's just the way it is. And the people that won't like you and the people that you'll outgrow are the people that are just staying stagnant. Yep. And they're not being positive. Like, at the bare minimum, even if they're staying stagnant, they should be very positive for you and be happy for your success and want to be around that but the people that are starting to argue with you or tell you that you're doing you're you're acting yes i am acting different like i I want to improve myself and i want to be better i want to move differently i don't want to move how i moved in college i don't want to i don't want to do the same things that i was doing in high school like i want to do different things and i want to try different things and i want to try things that i probably may fail at you know And, and that's okay that that's okay like it's fine because people do things that they do every day and still fail. I'm okay with failing at something I've never done before and trying out. Yep. Yeah. Man, Dino. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. man. what a remarkable story. Man, I, I really... Thank you, thank you. I appreciate you just having me here to, to tell my story and learn more about your story as well, too, man. Man, we appreciate you. So if anyone listening has, you know, uh, want to reach out to Dino, all his information is going to be in the description below. You know, please feel free to, to reach out, you know, to him, sure. connect with him, sure. um, you know, even have a conversation with him because always. as we all know, these conversations are completely normal and uh, we all go through these things. So yeah, man. Uh, shout out to this platform, dude, for you doing this. Like, I think like this is in- incredible, man. A lot of people to tell their stories and, and not even just telling their stories, man, a lot of people to, to get opportunity to connect with other people. Like, you know, some people may listen to this and they may not have a person like myself or you in their circle but just being able to relate to someone that is out there as well too with now having this information of where they can go contact that person like that could be therapy within itself for that person you know so man shout out to you for even <laughs> doing this and putting this back out there for folks man this, this is really dope bro. hey man i appreciate it yeah, I appreciate yeah, 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 yeah. It. well everyone thanks for listening uh stay tuned for what's next but uh yep I'm signing off